0: I will be reading out of uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 16. We'll also touch on Proverbs chapter 4 and 1 Chronicles chapter number 28. I think they will have those prepared. Uh, But we're going to talk uh, along the same lines we did a couple weeks ago. 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse number 9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, To show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. And then the scripture goes on. He's talking to, I believe it's Asa. Herein hast thou done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. I want you to see that God's looking for somebody uh, whose heart is perfect toward him. Proverbs chapter 4 verse number 23. Solomon writes to us and says, Keep thy heart, or protect Thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And then finally, First Chronicles twenty-eight and verse number nine, David writes to his or speaks to his son Solomon, and says, "And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searcheth the hearts." And understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. He said, serve God with a perfect heart. And so I want to talk to you again this evening about the heart of a king. Uh, a couple weeks ago, did not get nearly as far as I thought I would, Brother Pat, I I really didn't intend to teach the entire Old Testament last Wednesday, and uh, uh, I also, (laughs) this this evening, don't intend to teach the entire Old Testament. Um, But last week we talked about uh, the first king over the nation of Israel, the United Nation of Israel, that was Saul. Saul erred in that he wanted to please the people more than he wanted to please God, and so God kicked him out and he found somebody better. His name was David. And God's testimony about David was, he is a man after mine own heart. And David had a great desire for God. And even though David made mistakes in his life, his heart toward God never changed. And that's what we need to shoot for. We're obviously shooting for uh, not making mistakes. But we are flawed human beings. Would everybody that has never made a mistake and intend never to make another mistake please stand? Uh, that, that disqualifies all of us. We are never going to be flawless because we live in fallible flesh. The, the Bible says that this body is corruptible. In other words, it's rotten. And sometimes we have rotten attitudes and we say rotten stuff and we do rotten stuff because we're in a rotten body. Uh, but what we must do is seek to have a heart that is continually after God. Because at the end of all that, David's great sin, God still loved David and David still walked with God because he had a heart that sought after God. And that's, that's what we desire. And so uh, Solomon was David's son, and Solomon on the outside looked like Solomon just really had it together. The kingdom prospered. Everything seemed like it was going good. Uh, There were only a couple of problems. God said, don't multiply gold to yourself, don't multiply horses to yourself, and don't multiply wives unto yourself, and Solomon did all three. And it says that Solomon's heart, somebody say heart, heart, his heart was turned by his wives and, and this man that dedicated a temple unto the Lord, oversaw the, 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 the building of that great temple at the end he was building temples and altars to false gods because he did not keep his heart with all diligence. His son his son's name was, was Rehoboam. I know y'all think I'm giving you a chronology of the whole Old Testament. We're going to skip some here in just a minute. but his son's name was Rehoboam and we talked about Rehoboam last week. And uh, I, I uh, have, have y'all ever, it, y'all, who owns a boat or has ever been on a boat? You ever gone out and got hooked on a stump? <laughs> no? You, you ever gone, you 've been in a raft or something and you just got, you got hooked on a rock and you couldn't go any further? That's what happened to me today as I was studying Rehoboam. I was going to skim over Rehoboam and I got out there in those deep waters and I hit a rock and I got stuck. And I got to talk to you about Rehoboam a little bit. This is why we're talking about this. It's because these were great kings. I want to I paint the picture for you of these men that became kings over Israel and had everything going for them. And in fact, most of them started out as being their heart was pure before the Lord. But something happened in their lives that at the end of their life, what was written on their tombstone was, He did wickedly in the sight of the Lord. Or he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And I want us to avoid that at all costs. Because at the end of it all, we want to finish well. Someday, if the Lord tarries, there's going to be a preacher that stands behind my body in a casket. And I want him to be able to say good things about me and not lie. And that's my desire for every one of us, that when we've breathed our last breath, they'll be able to say, He did that which was right. His heart was right before the Lord. And so, 2 uh, Chronicles chapter 12, it is, it is Rehoboam, which is Solomon's son. He was set up to be the most successful king in Israel's history because he inherited all the wealth that Solomon had, uh, had amassed, all the political power that Solomon had amassed. And it says, It came to pass... Uh, When Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. Uh, He forsook God's law. This led to the defeat uh, at the hands of Egypt. And uh, we also know that he forsook the counsel of the old men. And he split God's kingdom. And so so he, he forsook the law of the Lord. He split the kingdom of God because he listened to bad advice. He would not listen to the elders. And he was also overcome by the Egyptians. The Egyptians raided the temple, stole all the, stole all the gold and stuff and, and carried it back to Egypt. But all those things were just symptoms. I want to know what's the disease. So Second Chronicles 12 and 14 tells us this. These are the, the, some of the last words spoken about Rehoboam. It says, he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Now, that may just fall flat with you, but I want to explain that a little bit. It, it, it started to work on me. He, he, he failed. He did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. It doesn't say that his heart was evil. It says that he didn't prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Now, prepare just means uh, that we've decided what we're going to do beforehand. In other words, he did not decide beforehand, no matter what happens, I'm going to serve God. Because we need to make that decision. That whenever a crucial decision comes up in my future, I need to have already decided what I'm going to do. Whatever happens, I'm going to align myself with the Word of God. Uh, Brother Jerry Jones will be here for men's conference, Lord willing, in June. He preached a message a long time ago, and he uh, he said his title was based on this story about his dad. He said his dad was an oil rig worker in Texas, and they were driving by an oil field, and he saw this scene where an oil derrick of some kind, some of the machinery had had collapsed and had killed a man that was working there, and. Uh, His dad looked at him and said, son, I want you to know that you need to decide which way you're going to run before the tragedy happens. You need to decide which way you're going to run. We need to decide whenever some some problem comes up in life, we need to decide beforehand, I know which way I'm going to run. I'm going to run to the Lord. But, but to be prepared doesn't just mean to, to decide beforehand. This is what it means in the Hebrew. It means uh, to be set up, to be established, to be fixed, to be firmly established. Uh, it means to, uh, to be fastened, prepared, to be ready. Uh, this is the way the NIV says it. It says, he did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. In other words, he was not fully committed to seeking the Lord. Were there days in his life where he listened to the counsel of the prophets? Yes. Were there days in his life where he did righteous things? Yes. The Bible did not say his shortfall was in serving the Lord, but in seeking the Lord. And there's a big difference between seeking the Lord and just serving the Lord. Because serving the Lord means I'm doing stuff for Him. But seeking means I am yearning after Him. And it says he failed to prepare his heart to seek the Lord. We've got to have a desire, not just for church, not just for the things of the kingdom, but we've got a desire to seek after God. Do you know what that means? That means every day we're in the Word of God, trying to find out things about Him. Every day we're in prayer, seeking God. David said this, this is David, the man who is after God's own heart. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. When thou saidest, this is Psalm 27 verse 8. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. In other words, someplace God said you need to seek my face. And David said, well, that's what I'm going to do then. There's a huge difference between being associated with God and seeking God. Brother Morse, Sarah, do you have a cousin that's a treasure hunter? Greg, okay, he's a a treasure hunter. Now, there's a significant difference between, where does he hunt treasure? Atlantic Ocean or Florida, off the coast of Florida? Seeking deep sea, diving on the coast there, whatever. He's seeking treasure. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Sounds daggone inconvenient to me. There's a lot of work involved there. That's not easy stuff. If it was easy, the treasure would already have been found. I want treasure that's laying on the beach. I don't want treasure that I've got to get scuba tanks on and, and, and you know that's 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 a little bit of work. It's a lot different to treasure hunt than it is to Easter egg hunt. Now, all y'all folks against Easter egg hunts, Please don't throw me out of the church right now. But uh, you know, if you're Easter egg hunting, I kind of like Easter egg hunting. You know, Sister Martha. I, now, you don't, don't y'all have a powwow back there? Call a business meeting in the back of the church. But you know, whenever I was a kid, I enjoyed Easter egg hunting. That's kind of fun. You know, you go out on a nice spring day. You're looking under rocks and you're looking behind bushes, and this is a good time. You know. But you know what, Brother Tommy, if it started to storm, I probably wasn't going to be out there hunting Easter eggs. Um, if, if the Easter eggs were out in the Atlantic Ocean under 40 feet of water, I'm not going to go find that egg. Because there's a difference between seeking something and just kind of casually being associated with something. Easter egg hunting is a casual association. Treasure hunting is a seeking. And the Bible says we should seek the Lord. The difference between seeking and just being associated is that seeking still happens when it's inconvenient. Yes. Yep. De- Jeremiah said this, God said this to Jeremiah, And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. God is looking for people that are going to seek Him with all their heart. What does that look like? That's a Seraphonician woman that comes to Jesus and says, Will you heal my child? And even though Jesus called her a dog, she said, It's okay, I'll just take some crumbs. Would not be turned away. A seeker is a Zechariah who's going to climb the tree just to get Jesus' attention. A seeker is a, a woman who is with an issue of blood will press her way through a crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. A seeker is four friends who carry their sick friend up to the roof and rip the roof off. A, a, a seeker is a Jacob, though you may not like his practices. He was willing to wrestle with an angel to get everything that God had for him. I want to be a seeker, not just an associate of God I just don't want to be part of a church I want to be a seeker of the Lord because I understand if we don't prepare our hearts to seek Him something else is going to get in our heart Seek him. This is what the Bible says in uh, Psalm. I'm sorry, First First Chronicles sixteen eleven. Seek him continually. We've got to prepare our hearts and firmly set a commitment to seek the Lord daily. When it's not convenient. Brother Pat, I greatly desire for God to put a hunger for Him inside of me. Jesus said, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. He didn't say the righteousness was the blessing. He said the hunger and the thirst was the blessing. Why? Because hunger makes you seek Him. And when you seek him, he says, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. Watch what hunger does. We only have seven more kings to go tonight, so just sit tight. Watch what hunger does. Jesus gets up and he he tells a great story. There was a sower that went out to sow and he sowed seed on stony grass he sowed seed on the wayside and the birds came and got it and he sowed seed on the stony ground, and it sprung up. And when the sun came out bright, the, the, the plants withered and died. And he sowed, uh, he sowed seed over here, and there's some weeds that sprung up, and they choked out the good seed. And then he sowed some seed on good ground, and it grew up, and, and uh, gave forth 30, 60, and 100-fold. Uh, it, it was real good. And part of the crowd that Jesus was talking to said, Man, that was a good story, and went home. But there were some hungry folks that after the crowd had gone home said what were we talking about? That was a good story. But what does it mean? And Jesus began to minister to the hungry people and gave them revelation. Well, the seed is the word of God. And he begins to explain this parable to the hungry people. And I don't know if I should tell you this or not, but people will sort themselves. Watch this. Jesus gets up one day, and he preaches hard, and he gets up, and he says, except you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man. You ain't gonna make it. And the majority of the crowd threw up their hands and said, That message is too hot for me, preacher. I'm out of here. <laughs> you done bashed my toes too bad. I'm not going to listen to any more of your preaching. And the vast majority of the crowd went away, except for a handful. And Jesus looked at them and said, You going to leave too? And they said, No. Where else would we go? you got the words of eternal life. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You're going to have to make a decision if you're going to accept strong meat, embrace it, and say, God, I desire more. Or if you're going to say, you know what, I don't need any more of that. And you're going to walk away from God. You will sort yourself between the crowd, the hungry, and the committed. If you're committed... You're going to go out of your... It's a commitment. You know, Jesus got up. He gives a sermon on the mount. Man, that's good stuff. But somebody climbed the mountain to hear what he had to say. There's some men that were willing to climb a mountain. they were willing to cross a lake. Willing to do whatever they could to follow Jesus so he could minister to them. If you're going to seek him, you're going to make a decision to seek him when it's inconvenient. Our flesh don't like this. My flesh don't like this. I, I want to watch YouTube videos. No, really me. I want to watch YouTube videos. I'm not projecting that to anybody. I want to watch YouTube videos. That's what my flesh wants to do. If I had TikTok, I'd probably want to watch TikTok videos. I'd download the app, but I can't spell it. Just kidding. My flesh... My flesh doesn't want to pray, and neither does yours. My flesh doesn't want to read the Word of God, and neither does yours. My flesh wants to listen to 80s country music. Now, yours might not. Maybe you, you want to listen to Coolio or something. I don't know. Lord, rest his soul. Didn't he die this week or something? Was that him? I don't know. Uh. Your flesh wants to do these things. If you're going to seek God, you're going to make a decision to push away what the flesh wants to do. When the flesh says don't pray, it'd be so much easier to just watch YouTube videos or scroll Facebook. You need to tell your flesh, I have set my heart to seek the Lord. I'm making a decision that's going to result in my action. I am going to seek the Lord because He promised me if I'll seek Him, I'll find Him when I seek Him with all of my heart. Rehoboam's problem was the reason he went into evil was not because he was an inherently evil man or because he he started out with uh, evil desires. It was because he didn't prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Rehoboam needed to settle in his heart to seek God. Why don't you just elbow somebody for somebody close enough to elbow and say you need to settle it today. Let me, let me, is there anybody up there on the video? Is there a Proverbs 16 and 3? Sister Judy, can you do Proverbs 16 and 3? I hope that's the right verse. If it's not, we'll teach the whole book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 3. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Is that what it says? Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Now I hope that I'm not twisting the meaning of this scripture, but it's always worked in my life. Is that if I will commit my actions, then I don't have to worry about my thoughts and my desires straying. If if I, I thank God, Brother Pat, that and, and I know that it was it was not me; it was God. I thank God that He always put a desire in my heart to be in the house of the Lord, and to be around the people of God. Uh, when, when our family goes and visits another church out of town, we can go and know no one in the building, never been there, never met the pastor, don't know any of these people, and they will be turning the lights off before we leave. Not to get rid of, well, yeah, to get rid of us, but we're, we're just like hanging around the people of God. Whenever I was a a new convert, I remember uh, I didn't lie to my boss. But there was a church work day going on. And I was, I really wanted to go to the church work day. Probably not because I had some great desire to seek God. I I didn't want to hang out with the people of God because I like the people of God. And so I, I called my boss. I didn't lie to him. His name was Lynn Durham. He's a great guy. She looked directly into the camera. I said, Lynn, I'm just not feeling today. <laughs> I, didn't say I, was, I didn't say I was sick. Truth was, I didn't feel like coming to work. Because <laughs> there was a church work day going on. And I said, Lynn, I'm just not feeling today. He said, well, okay, if you can't come in, you can't come in, that's fine. All right, so I went, you know, we poured concrete, you know, did all that cool church workday stuff. Worked my guts out. I felt fine. I got to work the next day. Lynn said, Whenever you left here the other day, I knew you were sick. (laughs) (laughs) I never said that. I just told you. I have I had a desire to be around the things of God. And if you'll commit your works and say, I'm going to be there every time the doors open, that is every service. I'm going to be there at prayer meeting. I'm going to be there at youth service. I'm going to be there for work days. I'm going to be there for whatever it is. If you commit your works unto God, you won't have to worry about your thoughts straying into things they should not be into. Prepare your heart. Make a decision. Settle it in your heart to seek God. Somebody shout, Amen. Amen. And so... uh, That is Rehoboam, and we got hung up on a stump there at Rehoboam. But I want to talk to you about one more king today, uh, and and I I hope that this will bless you. Jehoshaphat uh, is not just uh, the most fun name in the Bible to say, he was also a king. Jehoshaphat, I think if you read it in 1 Kings, Jehoshaphat is spelled differently than it is in 2 Chronicles, but it's the same guy. Uh, And it says in 2 Chronicles 17 and verse 3 that the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. I want to tell you about a good king. Is that okay? We'll We'll smile here for a minute. How about that? Jehoshaphat, he walked in the ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam. He sought the Lord God of his fathers and he walked in the commandments and not after the doings of Israel because at this point the kingdoms were separated. There was Israel that generally did wrong, and there was Judah that tried to do right most of the time. So Jehoshaphat's the king over Judah. It says, Therefore, because he was uh, walking after the God of his father, therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presence, and he had riches and honor and abundance, and his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and the groves out of Judah. Now usually when you read that phrase, his heart was lifted up, that's usually a bad sign. That usually meant he had pride, he, he, was, he was dealing with uh, too much success, like we talked about Uzziah last time. Uh, but that's not what this scripture means. It's In the King, New King James it says it this way, his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Uh, the New Living Translation, he was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. The uh, New International Reader's Version. His heart was committed to living the way the Lord wanted him to. He was lifted, his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. And that's the way that we ought to be. We ought to love the things of God. Because there's no better alternative on this planet than the things of God. This is the only thing that's going up. Everything else is going down. Everything else we reach to, the Antichrist is going to get, and then it's going to be burned up with fire. We might as well seek God and His kingdom. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Jehoshaphat, how, how blessed and how prosperous he was. He started a program where the priests traveled around the country and taught Bible seminars. That was loosely translated, but that's what they did. They went around to cities in, in Judah and in Benjamin, and they taught the word of the Lord. He set up another program of judges, among the Levites, so that the people with disputes could come and receive righteous justice. He oversaw a huge and powerful army that, according to 2 Chronicles, numbered 1.6 million troops. That might be a typo in my notes. It might have been 1.16 million, but it was a bunch of people. He had a huge army. It's powerful stuff. And so that's that's just a demarcation of his success. And, At one point, Moab and uh, maybe the, the Syrians, they invaded Judah. And it says that Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah even though he was powerful and successful and he had, he had forts and, and store cities and all kinds of stuff going on for him, it says that he sought the Lord and proclaimed a fast. That is how you act when your heart is lifted up toward the Lord. You're not confident in your own self, but you're going to seek the Lord in times of trouble. He was part of that and God gave a miraculous victory. Uh, he was also part of the story that uh, we won't go through all the details of it but when the prophet Elijah or Elisha said make this valley full of ditches in the middle of the night God filled all the valley with water and, and uh, gave a great victory unto the people of Judah and the people of Israel. And the end of of his life summary, his epitaph says this, He walked in the way of Asa his father and departed not from doing that which was right in the sight of the Lord. That is the summation of Jehoshaphat's life. Now wouldn't you like that to be inscribed on your little tombstone? He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and departed not from it. And in these multiple chapters of his life, it is page upon page upon page of all these great things that Jehoshaphat did. He died with an honorable epitaph. And in fact, his life and reign would be considered a total success if it wasn't for this one tiny little innocuous statement. Brother Anderson, in 1 Chronicles chapter 18, verse number 1, it says Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, and he joined affinity with Ahab and just keep on cruising after that and read and, and him and Ahab they got together and they fought some battles and 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 some stuff like that happened and he and Ahab's son they got together and tried to get a little gold trade going on and God wrecked their ships but overall Jehoshaphat had this great reign but it says that he made affinity with Ahab now when we read that in our King James Bible We usually just cruise over it because what in the world does that mean anyway? It's probably not that important. I'm reading in 2 Chronicles. Let's move on, preacher. But it's a very important statement. What that statement means is that he made a political allegiance through giving his son to marry Ahab's daughter. Now, Bible class, who was Ahab married to? Jezebel. He made an arrangement so that his son would marry Jezebel's daughter. This marital union was between his son Jehoram and Ahab's daughter Athaliah. And when Jehoshaphat died, Jehoram became king. Jehoshaphat. Look at your neighbor. Make sure they're paying attention. Jehoshaphat was a wonderful king. Tell them that. Jehoshaphat was a wonderful king. The prophets respected Jehoshaphat. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But his son, who is married to the daughter of Ahab, it says that he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, like as did the house of Ahab, for he had the daughter of Ahab to wife and he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Let me, let me paint for you what happened as a result of this wedding between Jehoshaphat's son and Ahab's daughter. Jehoram killed all of his brothers so that he would be king alone. When Jehoram died, his son Ahaziah reigned. And he walked in the ways of the house of Ahab. And the Bible says why. Because he had his mama for a counselor. Athaliah was his counselor. When he died, it says that Athaliah destroyed all of her grandchildren so that she could be queen undisputed. Except for Joash, which we may talk about sometime. Jehoshaphat arranged a marriage out of expediency. It looked like a good idea. I will have my son marry your daughter, and it's going to work out politically for me. It's it's going to be all good, folks. But out of that, it resulted in one one of his sons killing all the rest of his children. It resulted in all of his grandsons being wiped out in the judgment of God. And it resulted in all of his great-grandsons except one being wiped out by a wicked queen. That was what happened when Jehoshaphat made an allegiance with his son and Ahab's daughter. So let me talk for about five more minutes. It matters who you marry. It matters. Let me talk to, to parents of children that are unmarried and grandparents. It matters who your children marry. Because marriage is a matter of heart. I'm not talking about love. The one person who has more influence in your life than anyone else is the person you're married to. And because Jehoshaphat chose an ungodly wife for his son, it wrecked his legacy. Why? Because one wicked woman, and I'm sorry that it was a woman, ladies. If it had been a wicked man, it would have been the same deal. One wicked woman ruined his entire family. He thought it was a good idea. But it was definitely a bad idea. The Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has light with darkness? Why couldn't Jehoshaphat, this great king, have learned from his great-great-grandfather Solomon? Because Solomon's heart was turned by his wives. And Jehoshaphat says, You know what, Jehoram, why don't you marry this chick, Athaliah? I mean, her grandpa's just the king of the Zidonians... Her mom's just a, the Bible says, witch. i will be fine. You'll convert her. Doesn't happen that way. Exactly right. Well, please, 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 parents, grandparents, don't have some desire for your daughter. To marry the captain of the football team. Or for your son to marry the head cheerleader. Well, you know, we'll get him in church. It almost never works that way. It's like using your kid as bait. And I don't even like fishing, but I know that when you fish, it doesn't usually work out well for the bait. Some people are fortunate. Sometimes a young person will start dating or get serious, date, seriously dating somebody outside the church and sometimes they will come into the church. But for every one of those, there's probably 25 that were led away from the kingdom of God. It matters who you marry. I'm going to tell you the number one reason that I'm a member of the United Pentecostal Church. Before I was a pastor... The number one reason I'm a member of the United Pentecostal Church because I want my kids to be involved in youth congress. I want them to go to youth camp. I want them to go to youth rallies. I want them to be in fellowship meetings. I want them to be... I want them to be with other precious believers. I was joking with the... When we were in... in uh, Florida this week there was a seminar for ladies who felt the call to ministry, and I said, "Man, if I was a single guy, that'd be a good place to go shopping." <laughs> but Tommy, they do these these youth on mission trips, and you if you just just get online, get on Facebook, look at the youth on mission trip pictures. The girls outnumber the guys like three to one. Like, what are these guys thinking? Why aren't more guys applying? Use your head. <laughs> anyway, I want my kids to find somebody that's in love with Jesus that's desperately in love with Jesus. I want my kids and my grandkids after them, if I live long enough, to find someone that's the will of God for them to marry, not just somebody that they've fallen in quote-unquote love with. Because you're not in love at that age anyway. You're in lust. I got one right and two amens out of that. But as one famous preacher said, it's a truth anyhow. Because to marry an unbeliever, somebody that believes false doctrine, is out of the will of God, period. And if you're seeking... Let me talk to the young people now. If you're seeking somebody that is not in church, then you are already backslid in your heart and you need to pray back through. Because if you want to find somebody to bring to an altar one day in marriage, you ought to find somebody who frequents an altar before you get there. We need... encourage your kids and your grandkids to find somebody who's a worshiper, not somebody who's going to sneak out the back uh, before the altar service is over. Find somebody who is in love with God because it matters who you marry. It's a matter of heart. And why am I so dogmatic about this? Why am I so passionate? You read the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 9. I'll, I'll read a couple verses to you. I won't read the whole book to you. I'm going to go close. But it says, Ezra got this news, they had, they had moved back into uh, Jerusalem after they'd been in captivity for 70 years. They had begun to build the temple. And uh, Ezra gets this report, they have taken of the daughters of the land for themselves, for their sons. Uh, it says, it says when, they, when I heard this thing, in other words, they were, they were intermarrying with the heathens of the land. And I'm not being mean to anybody, but I think we ought to seek after people that love Jesus. I don't want want to have to deal with a divided household. But it says, Ezra said, When I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and I plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and I sat down astonished. He said, I literally pulled out all my hair whenever I heard what was... And here's what he said. He said, Let me me read it to you verbatim. So that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of the lands. He said, the chosen people of God are a holy seed and should not be mingled with the people of the lands. Are your kids, are they special to you? Are your grand... I got one amen there. Now, let's just be real here. Isaiah's scared to death. I, I, is your girl's name, is it is it Hoyt or Matthews? Hoyt. She'll be good to you. Hoyt. Some of y'all hunters got that. He posted on Facebook a few weeks ago that he got a new girl and posted a picture of his new beau. I thought it was wonderful. I don't know why he's embarrassed. I thought it was the greatest. That's one of the best posts I've seen in months. It's great. Every time he's out here doing target practice, I'm like, how's she doing? Oh, she's doing good. Great. Tune her up. Tune her up good. Man. Just do this little bit; She'll do exactly what you want her to do. That's right. Don't get used to that, but enjoy it. Where are we going with this, Isaiah? You know what? It is true that your child or grandchild could marry somebody in the church and they turn out to be a loser. It is true. But there's a whole lot... Less chance of that than if they find somebody in the world and think, well, they'll they'll convert them to the truth, and that they'll be. It almost never happens. God help us, like Rehoboam should have to have our hearts fixed. This is what I'm going to do. I am prepared. I. Pastor Bounds used to say this, and it was kind of a joke, but he. uh, He's talking about, I don't know if Sasha was dating somebody, Shay was dating somebody, and he said, The first question I'm going to ask is Does he talk in tongues? We, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. As arrows in the hands of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Our children are important. We need to protect them. We need to do everything that we can possibly do so that they are joined with somebody that is in the will of God. And the way that we're going to do that is we're not going to go fishing in a pond that's got sharks in it. We're going to take them places where they can find somebody who's in love with Jesus. We need to have our hearts fixed on that, parents. Let's stand to our feet. In the name of the Lord Jesus in the name of the, Let's just lift our hands right now. We don't need any music, ladies. You're 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 excused. Just close your eyes. Lift your hands right now. Father, as the as the psalmist David wrote, he said, "My heart is fixed, O oh God. My heart is fixed. My heart is prepared. My heart is is committed to seeking you and the things of your kingdom. I pray today, God, that you would give us a heart that is on fire for you, a heart that is hungry for you. I ask you today, God, that you would fill us with a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, for right living, for godliness. Fill us Oh God, with a desire for your word, a desire for prayer, a desire to worship you and love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us, God, to commit our works to you. And we know when we commit our works to you, you are going to take care of the thoughts and intents of our mind. I pray today great God that you would give us a desire and a steadfastness and a resolution that we are going not to seek after the things of this world but we're going to seek after godliness, righteousness and holiness. In the name of the Lord Jesus, let it be done today in Jesus name. Somebody shout amen.